This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's The Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, everybody. It's The Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull. And on today's program, we're talking trades. We're talking injuries, and we're talking the start of the NFL preseason right around the corner. That's all coming up with me, the Bull in Cleveland, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're listening to the Bull in Cleveland on the Bet Rivers Network. So late last week, uh, the the Guardians making a trade, uh, acquiring Noah Syndergaard. Uh, who's going to be on the mound for the first time tonight. Uh, Noah Syndergaard acquired in a deal for Ahmed Rosario. It's a weird trade by the Guardians, uh, but, I, but I do see what they're doing here. It, this trade's not about Noah Syndergaard. Um, yeah, he's coming off the injured list today, and they'd like to see him uh, be able to eat some innings over the last two months of the season. But he's not part of the plans. He has a 70 ERA, over a 70 ERA, and he's a free agent at the end of the season. I, I'm sure they're not interested in signing him. I mean, I guess it's possible if he pitches really well down the stretch that they could sign him to a one-year deal for next year. Anything's possible, but I, but probably not. Uh, by the way, it's not crazy to think Noah Syndergaard, before I get into why they really made this trade, it's not crazy to think that Noah Syndergaard could pitch decently, not great, but decently for the Guardians here down the stretch. It's it's not been that long since he was an okay pitcher. You know, we look at Syndergaard now and, and what he did in his 12 starts this year with, with the Dodgers, and you say, well, you know, I mean, he was, he was awful. <clears throat> and he was. <laughs> Excuse me. He was hideous. However... Last year, he wasn't hideous. Again, I, I'm not telling you he was an all-star or that he's going to pitch that way, but he wasn't bad last year. He was an average pitcher in 2022. That's just last year. And he didn't. He basically didn't pitch for two years before that. He pitched two innings in 21. He didn't pitch at all in 2020. And in 2019, again, it wasn't great, but it wasn't a 7 ERA. And before that, he had been really good. So can this guy ever recapture, you know, what made him excellent his first few years with the Mets? I doubt it. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, but you never know. I mean, he is only 30 years old. Uh, he'll turn 31 next month. Anything's possible. But I do think it's realistic that he could go back to being mediocre as he was last year. Uh, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, especially with how the, the Guardians have done in terms of pitching. Uh, and they've, they've fixed guys before, so I don't think that's crazy. Uh, that being said, all of that, the, the Guardians didn't make this trade for Noah Syndergaard, really. They made this, this trade 
to clear space for young players to play. The Guardians have been hoarding minor league prospects for a while. Um, They haven't. We've been talking about making trades, trading some of that glut of prospects to acquire proven talent. They, They either have been unwilling or unable to make those type of deals. But they were ready to call up Oscar Gonzalez, and they were ready to give Gabriel Arias a real shot. Now, you could argue that Tyler Freeman, who has also been on the bench for most of the, most of the season with Arias, has the, really deserves that shot more because he's played better. But um, they, you know, Arias is the guy that they think more highly of, and so far he's gotten the opportunity. Arias has started at shortstop four of the last five games. Freeman has started at shortstop in one of the last five games. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez has started since coming up to the big leagues, has started two of the last three games. So he's going to get his opportunity. Interesting. I've been screaming and yelling about Miles Straw. He's been on the bench two of the last three nights. So it'll be interesting to to see how that continues. Uh, The Guardians are, are at Houston. The next three days, obviously, that's going to be a tough series. Syndergaard on the hill on Monday, and then Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee. But uh, the trade deadline is Tuesday at 6 p.m. Will the Guardians trade Aaron Savale? Will they try to trade minor league talent to get proven hitters? You know, for, for a lot of the last few weeks, I've been saying maybe the Guardians should sell. They're not a very good team. Not a very, but ultimately... They have hung in there, not because they've been really that good, but because everybody else has been as bad as them. And actually, everybody else has been worse than them. Uh, and Minnesota's lost five in a row. So even with the Guardians uh, having another losing series, and the fact that they're they're at 500 with 56 games to go in the season, they're a half game out of first. And when I look at the American League, I just don't think anybody's that good. Now, Texas who has the the second best record or the third best record in the American League. They've and they've had a great lineup all year. They have 609 runs scored. That's way more than anybody else. The next highest in the American League is Tampa Bay with 561. That's that's how many runs the the Rangers have scored. They have 48 more runs than any other team in the American League. The the second most in baseball is Atlanta, who's the best team in baseball, with 583 runs. So talk about the best team in baseball, and they have 26 more runs than them. All right, so Texas has been great uh, offensively, but their pitching has been bad, and because of that, they've struggled here lately. They've dropped 7 of 10. They've lost three in a row. Their pitching has been bad. So what did they do? They went out and traded for Max Scherzer. They went out and traded... Um, for uh, Jordan Montgomery. They added Chris Stratton to the pen. They added Raldis Chapman to the pen. They've been very aggressive. Kudos to them. Hey, listen, the Rangers haven't, haven't spent much time in the playoffs in recent years. Uh, I, I like the aggressiveness. You got to go for it. The Angels are going for it. They're back over 500. This division's tough. I mean, obviously Oakland stinks, but the other four teams are all three games over 500 or more. Uh, and Texas says they have no guarantee to make the playoffs, even with their great lineup. Their pitching's been so bad. Well, again, they've added, they've now added two starters. 
and and neither Scherzer nor Montgomery are having you know great seasons, especially for Scherzer, who's been a Hall of Fame pitcher. But they're both good, and they will both upgrade that rotation. They've added Chapman, they've added Stratton. If I'm the Rangers, I've gone this far. I'm going to get stay more aggressive and, and and go get more relief help. But as it relates to the Guardians, I just don't think anybody's un like the Braves seem like the the far and away best team in baseball. I look at these other teams, I still don't think Texas is not some unbeatable team that the Guardians couldn't beat. Certainly Baltimore's not with their pitching unless they get aggressive. Uh, Tampa Bay, I mean, they're a really good team, but they haven't played great since that starting start to the season. They've been fine, but not great. So who's that good that you couldn't beat if you put it all together? And if, it's a big if, 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 um, Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie are able to pitch the last couple of weeks of the season and in the playoffs with the young guys they got. They could be dangerous. Aaron Savali's pitched great. I got to give him credit. I, I was I had given up on Aaron Savali. I thought he was I, I didn't think much of him. And he's not this good, but he's pitching this good. He's been he's been sensational. So I think the Guardians should get aggressive here. Now, I, I don't have a problem if they trade Savali, which seems like it doesn't make sense because I'm saying they should be aggressive. They've done this in the past where they've bought and sold at the same time. If you trade Savali, you got to trade him for proven hitting talent. Won't be easy to do. Might be a three-team deal, but that's something they got to do. They got to get proven hitting talent. It's going to be hard. There's not a lot of good hitting on the market. Uh, Cody Bellinger was the best guy. The Cubs had won eight in a row before yesterday. I don't think they're going to trade him. Uh Randall Gritchick and C.J. Crone already got traded by the Rockies to the Angels. I could see that the Cardinals still, you know, Cardinals have made a lot of deals. They've traded Montgomery. Uh, they, they could trade Tyler O'Neill. They could trade Dylan Carlson. Well, they're not massive upgrades, but uh, I, I, it's going to be tricky. But I, I think the Guardians should be aggressive and, and try to win this division. And if you make it to the playoffs, who knows? Once you punch that ticket, anything can happen. Anything could happen. So I think the Guardians uh, need to be aggressive, and hopefully they will be. To the NFL. Unfortunate news at a Browns camp. Uh, veteran wide receiver Marquise Goodwin is missing camp right now due to blood clots. This is a very serious situation or potentially very serious situation. Um, when asked about it, uh, Marquise Goodwin said it was really alarming at first because I've experienced injury throughout my career, but it's never been anything like this that could turn into something detrimental if it's not taken care of. Uh, Godwin, Marquise Godwin is not a superstar. We all know that, but he is a great veteran leader who can give you some production here and there. He's had a few solid seasons. Uh, and there's something to be said for a guy that's been in the league that long and is a great leader. We had a chance to speak with Marquise Goodwin on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And, man, um, he had such a great attitude. He was excited to be playing for the Browns. He thought he was a good fit. We all thought he was a good fit to be that, you know, fourth, fifth receiver. From a football standpoint, is it a big deal if he doesn't play? It's not that big a deal, honestly. It's not It's not the end of the world. 
But you feel for a guy. This is serious stuff. I mean, on a, on a mo- much more important note, you know, his health, it's scary. Blood clots are very scary and potentially very dangerous. It's good that they found it now. Um, who knows if he's ever going to be able to play again? That would be a shame if he couldn't. Hopefully he will be able to. But, uh, you know, at this point, my guess is he won't be ready for the start of the season at the very least. Uh, He's with the team. He's in meetings. He's being a good teammate. I mean, with all he's going through, it's pretty cool that he's still with the team. That shows you what kind of guy this guy is. Uh, Elite athlete. By all accounts, a very nice guy. Uh, my interaction, you know, our interaction on the show with him last week was just phenomenal. But uh, we, you know, I we know someone, and I know someone that that's friends with him, and and you know, has nothing but good things to say. So it's a shame what's happened. Hopefully, he's going to be okay health wise. That's the most important thing. Um, and but it, but from a football standpoint, it it doesn't look good right now that he'll be able to to help the Browns this year. Meanwhile, the uh, preseason begins this week. Uh, now, I'm not a – when I hear people say football this week, no, well, kind of. But uh, this is not real football yet. It's practice. Uh, the Browns are actually a two-point favorite in the first preseason game. The Browns will host the Jets. Well, I don't know if they're hosting, but technically they're the home team at the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, just down the road from where I am in Canton, Ohio. For those who may be listening outside of the Cleveland area who may not be Cleveland-centric people, uh, Canton, Ohio, the home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is about a an hour from the city of Cleveland, depending on where you're going, roughly. Uh, the Hall of Fame game, <clears throat> obviously not expecting much from the starters, if anything at all. Uh, Zach Wilson is expected to play for the Jets in this game. That that sounds about right. But even though the game itself doesn't mean much, it's the start of, of Hall of Fame season. It's the start of the football season. Um, both the Jets and Browns, obviously represented by, by Joe Klecko and Joe Thomas getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, what can I say about Joe Thomas that has not been said already? Um, the guy, first of all, he's everywhere. Every time I, I, I turn around, he's, uh, he, he's doing some interview and he's been on with us. I mean, it's great. It's just great having him on. I, you know, I said Joe Klecko representing the Jets, but so is Darrell Rivas. I want to leave him out of there. The other Hall of Famers, Rondé Barber, uh, Don Coriel, the great coach, Chuck Howley, and Zach Thomas. Uh, cornerback Ken Riley played for the Bengals. DeMarcus Ware. Uh, there you go. But um, you know when it when it comes to Joe, Joe Thomas, that is, uh, he, he is. I mean, the man never missed a snap until he until he did, and then he was done. <clears throat> the Browns over the years missed on a lot of first round picks. They made so many mistakes, so many, but not Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas was great 
great from the moment he stepped on the field as a rookie in 2007 until the day he retired. Played 11 seasons, 167 games, got hurt in that last year, never got back on the field. That was it. He knew he was done. He was great in college. Um, second in offensive year voting, or offensive rookie of the year. I mean, for an offensive lineman to even get considered behind Adrian Peterson, as smart as it gets, as physical as it gets. Played 10,363 consecutive snaps. The streak ended when he tore his triceps in October of 2017. And that was that. You think about this. In 11 seasons, he allowed 30 sacks. 30 sacks in 11 seasons. That's less than three sacks per year crazy as good as it gets all decade team for the 2010s great in the community great in the media always nice always likable always friendly i mean the guy was just the best and now he's thin it's a little obnoxious that he's gotten so thin but uh i wish him nothing but the best um excited to see his his hall of fame speech he did everything the right way. Uh, he had a chance to go to the Broncos when Peyton Manning won his second Super Bowl, when he won the Super Bowl with Denver. Uh, they were going to trade for Joe, and Joe said, you know what, I, I'm going to be a Cleveland Brown forever. And <clears throat> although nobody would have blamed him for taking that trade, uh, that that shot him up the gets us meter, and uh, he's connected with fans here in Northeast Ohio as much if not more than any player in the past few decades, any player in any sport. Uh, that's, you know, for the same reason that fans love Jose Ramirez, but football is just bigger here. But Jose could have gone somewhere else for more money. And he said, no, I love it in Cleveland. I'm going to stay here. As for the Browns on the field, outside of this Marquise Good- Goodwin situation, uh, they've been relatively healthy. No injuries of note. The biggest injury of note that could play a factor in their first game of the season, which starts, what, uh, in six weeks, is their opponent, Joe Burrow, uh, straining a calf muscle in practice this past week. Um, Because of that, the the Bengals-Browns line um, was off the board. I actually got a I'm going to check it right now. I'm going to see if it's back up, but I, I don't think so. Uh, go to, By the way, the the Bet Rivers line on the Hall of Fame game, which is this Thursday night at 8 p.m., the Browns are a, a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, on the Bet Rivers uh, sports book. Browns two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I, I mean, betting preseason's a little tough. But, yeah, as of now, uh Bengals-Browns is is off the board for week one. And that may stay that way, uh, maybe up until the week. But I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the Bet Rivers lines for week one. And with the Joe Burrow injury situation, it's off the board. But, but from the Browns' side of that, and you've heard a lot of the Browns' players say, hey, we hope Joe's back. Grant Delpit talked about this yesterday. Obviously, they were teammates at LSU. 
Um, I, you know, fans sometimes secretly are like, oh, I hope that guy's hurt. I hope he doesn't play. I don't think players really think that way. You know, it's a fraternity, especially if they played in college, if they know each other. Guys are not rooting for other guys to miss games. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I It just seems like that's not the case. But uh, as I said, the game's off the board for week one and will remain that way until you know the status of Burrow because the Bengals uh, were a three-point favorite last time I looked at Bet Rivers um, before the injury. They were a three-point favorite in Cleveland. If Joe Burrow doesn't play, the Bengals' starting quarterback will be Trevor Simeon in that game. The Browns will be favored. I don't know by how much. But going from Joe Burrow to Trevor Simeon, that's going to change the line, I would think, at least five points, if not more, maybe seven, maybe eight. I don't know, the Browns could be more than a field goal favorite. Even if Burrow appears to be limited, it's still going to affect the line somewhat. Maybe the Bengals, maybe it becomes a pick em. Maybe the Bengals are only a one-point favorite. I guess it de- depends where, where the money would go at that point. So that's the biggest thing affecting that game. So far, you know, knock on wood, the Browns outside, again, outside of the the Goodwin situation have been relatively healthy. Uh, They had a practice. They've been, they practiced for a week off campus, if you will, down in Greenbrier. A lot of the local media went down to cover it. Apparently everything was looking pretty good. I think the overhype, and this is not just a Browns thing. This is across the country. We just cover the the preseason and training camp so much that we get to the point where we have meet beat reporters ooing and eyeing over uh, a catch in or a throw in in practice when guys know they're not getting hit. When there's no pads. It, I mean, come on. Uh, the media has, and I'm part of it, and I hate when people blame the media. But in this one, and I never blame the media, but in this case, I will. We we got to stop with this. We're not going to. But this this crazy overhype of of practice is insane. It ha- practice obviously has value to the people practicing, but when we in the media turn it into something more than it is, it's stupid. And now now fans are doing the same thing, but it's our fault that we've done this nonsense. I'm assuming Deshaun Watson will not play Thursday in the Hall of Fame game, uh, but we will see him in the preseason. We talked about it on, on the um, on the show last week. You know, does the burrow injury factor in? Do they do they get nervous? You, you can't let that. Um, you can, you really can't let that play a role. Uh, injuries are going to happen. They're going to happen. Uh, you can't live in your fears, and I don't think the Browns can make decisions, or I think it would be a mistake to make decisions about Deshaun Watson playing in the preseason because Joe Burrow got hurt or anybody else got hurt. Deshaun Watson was rusty as hell last year. I think he needs to feel good about himself and to make some throws in the preseason. And you can't, you just can't sit there worrying about, well, what if he got hurt? He get hurt any time. He get hurt walking to his car. You, you can't live that way. You really can't. So hopefully uh, we'll we'll see him a little bit in the preseason. Not that you have to see a ton, but you want to get out there. you got some new teammates. Obviously, Elijah Moore, everybody's going bananas over in camp. 
and I like Elijah Moore. I was I like the trade. I think there's a lot of upside. I just people go again. It goes back to the going crazy in practice. And the Browns defense, uh, how that defensive line comes together. There were a couple of fights yesterday in practice between the offense and the defense. Obo Conkro got into it with uh, James Hudson. And uh, Stefanski got frustrated. Had the team running laps. You know, you, you want some feistiness, but you, you don't want to go over, over the top. You don't want anybody getting hurt and any of that nonsense. All right. Uh, we got a... Um, AFC South preview coming up this week. We got a NFC East preview coming up this week. So a lot of good things coming up later in the week. Thanks to Monzo for producing. Thanks to you all for listening. Uh, I'll be back next time. Where else? But right here with the Bull in Cleveland, it's Adam the Bull. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Bull in Cleveland on the Bet Rivers Network.